This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Simone Zaziaris. And I'm Kate Watson. It's Friday the 21st of May. In your Squiz today, employment post-JobKeeper. A ceasefire in Gaza. A change at the top for TikTok. And three years down. This is your Squiz today. All right, Kate, the unemployment numbers for April were out yesterday. These ones have been highly anticipated as they provide the first look at what things look like after the Morrison government's JobKeeper subsidy wrapped up. Yeah, it's the employment numbers we've all been waiting for, Simone. What they showed us was a decline in unemployment from 5.7% in March to 5.5% now. That's just a bit above where it was prior to the start of the pandemic. So our treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, was really leaning into this being very good news. And that's because if you remember last year, as JobKeeper was rolled out, there were concerns that when it ended, up to 150,000 Aussies could lose their jobs. That, of course, hasn't happened. It is the first look at it though, plenty of time for things to change. But Frydenberg was also keen to point out that underemployment, so those who are employed but are still seeking extra hours of work, has fallen to its lowest level in seven years. Youth unemployment fell to its lowest level in 12 years. And 33,800 new full-time jobs were created in the month. Still work to do though, Simone. The government wants Australia's unemployment rate to come down to 4.5% by 2023-24. On that point, the opposition emphasised yesterday that the real test for the government is to create secure, well-paid jobs. And whilst we're on the topic of jobs, one sector that has taken a big hit is travel. Qantas Kate yesterday said they're looking at a $2 billion loss and at the same time cut more international cabin crew jobs and put a two-year wage freeze in place. Yeah, it's been a brutal time for Qantas. Those redundancies come on top of 8,500 roles that have already been cut because of the COVID crisis. Qantas boss Alan Joyce said the pandemic will have cost the airline at least $16 billion in revenue since the start of 2020. But things, he said, are slowly turning the corner thanks to cost cutting and demand for domestic travel. To that end, Virgin Australia is hiring again with plans to launch more than 700 weekly flights across Australia in the coming months. This one, Kate, is literally happening as we speak. Israeli and Arab media, along with the BBC and Reuters, are reporting that both Hamas and Israel have agreed to a ceasefire. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of detail as yet, Simone, and no clarity on the timing, but it does look like both sides have agreed to the truce. This comes after a lot of international pressure with US President Joe Biden this week telling Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu that he expected to see a significant de-escalation. So far, the fighting over the past week has seen the death of 232 people in Gaza and 12 in Israel. That's right. And as we said, it's all just happening now. So I'm sure there'll be plenty more to come over the next few hours. So that mouse plague that's, as the term suggests, Kate, plaguing our farmers in parts of Victoria, New South Wales and Queensland, it's just not letting up. So in response, the New South Wales government has secured 5,000 litres of one of the world's strongest baits. 
Yeah, that'll be handed out to farmers free of charge over the coming days as part of the New South Wales government's recently announced $50 million package to address the crisis. The infestation, which is just an awful word in itself, has so far caused an estimated $100 million worth of damage. And that's because, Simone, mice eat their way through crops, through grain silos, even through furniture. But it might not just be an issue for those folk in the country soon, Simone. Pest experts say millions of mice are expected to arrive in Sydney by August if we don't get on top of it. Yeah, I'm sure that's not something city slickers will be that fond of seeing, me included, Kate. Now to that famous interview where Princess Diana said there were three of us in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded. That was conducted by journalist Martin Bashir, and ever since there have been questions about how he managed to secure the interview. So last year, the BBC set up an investigation, and now the report is in. Yeah, probably one of the most famous interviews of all time, I'd say, Simone. Just to step it back, the main accusation about how he got that interview was from Diana's brother, Charles Spencer. He said that Bashir used forged documents to gain access to her. Well, the reporters found that to be true and that it's a serious breach of the BBC's producer guidelines. Lord Dyson, who conducted the investigation, also gave the BBC a slap on the wrist saying that they, this is the quote, fell short of the high standards of integrity and transparency, which are its hallmark. It's not the first time this has been investigated, Simone. It was also looked at by the BBC itself in 1996. Bashir was cleared of any wrongdoing at that time. But in the releasing of this current report, Dyson referenced that inquiry, saying it was flawed and woefully ineffective. As for Martin Bashir, well, he stood down from his job at the BBC earlier this week due to health concerns. He has apologised, as has the BBC. TikTok, the Chinese tech behemoth Kate is, I think it's fair to say, what you'd call a success story. So news that its CEO and co-founder Zhong Yiming will be stepping down from the top job was met with great interest. It was. He said he lacks some of the skills that make an ideal leader and that he's not very social. He seems like he's quite self-aware though, Simone. (laughs) Taking his place will be fellow co-founder and HR head Rubo Liang. It's the biggest change in leadership since TikTok launched in 2012. And whilst, as you say, it's hugely successful, it has had its challenges. It's faced a fair bit of scrutiny from governments, particularly in the US, with former US President Donald Trump threatening to ban the app last year due to national security concerns. It hasn't stopped it growing to some 700 million active monthly users around the world, Kate. Fun fact, he's pretty tight with Zhang Yiming. They were roommates at university. Down to Antarctica now, a place we don't often get to chat about in the podcast, but something has happened there, Kate. The world's largest iceberg has broken off one of the shelves. Something's happened there. It certainly has. (laughs) 170 kilometres in length and 25 kilometres in width this iceberg is. So... Yep, it's pretty big. As for why, well, iceberg carving, as those in the know call it, is apparently part of Antarctica's natural cycle, happens quite regularly. So if your mind immediately goes to climate change, this time around, scientists say it isn't to blame. What happens now is that it'll melt, but it will not lead to a sea level rise. And that's because it was part of a floating ice shelf. So the best way to describe it, and I think every news report has used the same analogy, (laughs) just think about it kind of like the fact that a melt ice cube in your drink doesn't increase the level of the liquid in your glass. Yep, it's all in the science. 
Australia is angling to add another World Cup to our sporting schedule. We've already got the Women's Soccer World Cup in 2023, the Netball World Cup in 2027, and now Rugby Australia has thrown our hat in the ring to host the Rugby World Cup in the same year. Yeah, 2027 Rugby World Cup Australia. No other countries so far have indicated their interest in hosting the event, Simone, but there's a few rumours floating around that others are to come. Got to hurry, though, as bids are due by the end of the month. The winner will be declared in May next year. Australia has hosted the World Cup twice before, actually, though we've never taken home the cup on home soil, something we do need to do. I especially remember the heartbreak of the 2003 final, Simone. Johnny Wilkinson's drop goal. Oh, who could forget, Kate? Who could forget it? Squiz the day, and you mentioned it yesterday, but we've got to give it a nod. Today marks three years of the Squiz Today podcast. Indeed, Simone, what a ride it's been. Just wanted to to take the chance to say a big thank you to everyone who listens, everyone who's told someone about the podcast, everyone who's participated in surveys we've done, everyone who's left a review, all of those things mean we can keep doing this. So a huge big thank you to you all. Today's also International Tea Day, Kate, so maybe we can celebrate over a cuppa later today. A cup of tea? I'm going to need something stronger than that, Simone. It's been three (laughs) years. Three years. (laughs) I think you've earned it, Kate. That's another week down. If you're a trivia buff or if you reckon you know which artist represented Australia at Eurovision, give our Squiz quiz a go. A link to it's in your episode notes. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be back on Monday. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super, one of Australia's most awarded super funds. It can be hard to know where the best place to grow your super is, but with awards like CanStar's Outstanding Value three years in a row and Money Magazine's 2024 Ultra Long Term Performance, Aware Super's 1.1 million members can be confident their super is in good hands. Visit aware.com.au forward slash awards to find out more. Awards are only one consideration. Read the PDS and TMD on the website.